You are listening to the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is a bi-monthly analysis of two of cinema's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week, the return of Godzilla continues as he meets some casual psychics and fights a giant rose monster. It's 1989's Godzilla vs. Biolanti. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Bondzilla podcast. I am can Nick. You, can you start that again? Sorry. <laughs> I fucked it up. Okay. Uh-huh. Welcome, everybody, to the Bondzilla <laughs> podcast. I am Nick. And I'm Will. What if I just kept that in there? You probably will, yeah. <laughs> knowing you. There's so many things out of episodes that I think are going to get cut out and then aren't, and then things right. that I think should be kept in episodes and are also not at note. Everything that's cut deserves to be cut. No, you can't. You can't start the sentence that way. You've shown your cards, you son of a. Mm. No, it was. It was a joke. Mm-hmm. I was always like, you know, I was going to defend the things that are cut, but then it's like, no, really, I don't. I don't even remember half the things we cut out of the episodes, honestly. Um, but Nick, um, mm-hmm. today, last time we spoke about Godzilla, we talked about the Heisei series a little bit. Yes, and uh, a little bit, a not little too bit, much. yeah. And uh, we talked about uh, what kind of brought about that era of the Godzilla franchise. So we basically got a lot of the grunt work Mm. out of the way with it. So now, without further ado, we will be entering the Heisei series official, which is the second era after the show, a series of Godzilla. Right. Often known uh, to fans as the Versus series of uh, Godzilla films. And my personal uh, favorite of them just from a just a, can- a canonical standpoint mm-hmm. this was the these were the movies that i grew up with the most these are the movies that i probably enjoy the craft of the most right. and they're and they're a very it's a very interesting era of movies in which godzilla is now in many ways as we'll get into the history today is being treated as a full-blown franchise mm-hmm. you know they're still yeah. pumping out their movies but there's a little bit more uh you know behind the scenes information um that you know we can we can really uh get our teeth sink our teeth into yep um but today we are seeing him return but not in 1984 but in the 1989 film mm-hmm. godzilla versus biolanti so just yeah this is this is one that i i had seen before this is actually uh the very first japanese godzilla film i had ever seen a while ago i remember us yeah, watching and, this and this was in college back when mm. we were simple college roommates because i had seen the american or at least most of the american king of the monsters the original mm-hmm. that i did i just used it for a school project um but this was really the first like japanese godzilla film i had seen so this was uh, one that i was revisiting but i'll be interested to hear about kind of mm-hmm. how this one came about so nick let's start right from the beginning as we talked about in the last episode, uh, the Godzilla reboot, sequel, what have you, um, underperformed all expectations, abysmal performance in America, did not do well in Japan, did okay enough, but not what Toho wanted it mm-hmm. to do. Yeah, because um, they, they were looking for that big franchise money. They were looking for that, 
that Star Wars, Terminator, Die Hard money. Right. That's what they were looking for. And they were um, <clears throat> right because now they're in the blockbuster game. Yeah, they're um, they're they're in the big time. And um, or at least they're trying to be. in the So big they time. did well enough for them to uh, want to go forward with a sequel. Um, and they actually announced in 1985 that there would indeed be a sequel. But um, Tamayuki Tanaka, who is the producer of all the Godzilla movies, as we've said before, and Toho, uh, despite wanting to do a sequel, were beginning to get more and more nervous about moving forward and how do we do that. And another... Right, because they're yeah. big. They had this big plan of like this is going to be our big introduction or reintroduction to the Godzilla. You know, this icon, this legend, and it's going to make us the big bucks. And it, you know, it yeah. didn't. I mean, it would it would be exactly if Goldeneye had not done well, right? And it would be what MGM and the Broccoli it wasn't a runaway hit, right? And like, so if if Goldeneye had done not done well, it would have been MGM and the Broccoli's like, okay, what what can we do at this point? Like, yeah. how can we perceive this character? And I think it's similar. To like what actually is happening here is that they're kind of saying, okay, we want to keep doing Godzilla, but really we just this didn't hit this this big introduction, this reintroduction did not make. Well, hit. what comes into question too is the um, is the what's it called the um, the appeal of Godzilla. Now, now Toho's you know beginning to question a little bit like is one of the reasons this movie's not doing that well or like are people just not into Godzilla anymore? And what made them even more nervous is that as time passed, um, America made uh, the 1985 uh, sequel King Kong Lives, starring Linda Hamilton, which I did not know. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and that's a sequel to the Jeff to the, Bridges yeah. movie, the, the the King Kong remake from 870. I believe so. Yeah, right? 79, yeah. Yeah. Um, I have to watch that one with, with Jeff Bridges. I've never seen it. Have you seen it? Uh, I have, yes. Yeah. I've seen all the King Kong movies now. Okay. And King Kong Lives? Not oh actually sorry. Why well, I've not seen King Kong lives in the one with Mechanic King Kong or Mecha King. Kong. Oh oh yeah, King Kong escapes. Yeah. Um, but that movie was a financial and critical failure. Mm-hmm. So they're so now they're very nervous, which is also interesting because as we've talked about through this entire podcast, is that Toho like puts King Kong right at the top of the Empire State Building. Like they <laughs> they they're very much like they're like well, what? <laughs> I just imagine these Toho executives just being like. <laughs> what do you mean King Kong didn't make any money? What kind of business are we in? <laughs> um, but Nick, never fear. Inspiration would, would come in the form of a big success of a little shop of horrors. <laughs> you mean little shop of horrors? Yeah, that's what that's what I said. Yeah. What would you? Well, I mean, like it sounded like you're really like a little shop of horrors. Little shop of horrors. No, well, no, that's, that's a, that was the joke. See, I was, I had a whole bit, and now you're, you ruined the bit. That's, you that's, ru- you that's ruined. That's what I'm. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> I, if if everybody was here, if this was a video podcast, you see the slow realization on Nick's face that he kind of ruined the bit just there. Oh no, 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 no! I realized right away I was ruining the bit. You deserve that 100. percent 100. Little Shop of Horrors, released in 1986 by Warner Brothers. Um, Gave which was a you know a, it was a relative success which I also find interesting because when it came out critics liked it it did well but Warner Brothers it didn't do as well as Warner Brothers wanted it to do and it actually didn't make a it wasn't really truly profitable into 1987 until its VHS release yeah which remember is what we talked about last time about how mm-hmm. VHS yeah, releases cause, are cause making little shop it. is like a very cult classic sure you know Frank Oz movie musical but it makes it interesting that you know Tanaka like got such inspiration from this movie because not only 
um, were there some parallels, as we'll see, with the actual content of the film. But I think the biggest thing that he's like, all right, well, creature features can still sell. Yeah. Um, so anyway, with this in mind, Toho began to move forward on a new Godzilla film in an unorthodox but familiar way. A contest was held to pitch a story. They did another contest. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> is it the, like is this the second or third contest? Uh, you done? know, it may it may be. I don't know. It could be the third. I th- I feel like because <laughs> Jet Jaguar was a contest. Mm-hmm. I feel like there was one more though. I yeah, feel like I there feel was like... one like earlier one that was like. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, <clears throat> the um, so they pitched this contest. Oh, wait, to, hold on. Yeah. Godzilla is the context as Bond is the lawsuits. What? Yeah. Because oh, you mean like lawsuits go with James Bond as contests go with yes. uh, J- Godzilla? Yeah. I, I could see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they held this contest, uh, which was to pitch a story for the new Godzilla film, with Tanaka's only limitation being that the film had to go back to the days of monster versus monster which he felt would be a more marketable pull for audiences um the winner of said contest was a dentist by the name of and this episode will be great because it's a bunch of new japanese names Mm -hmm. which is my favorite part uh the winner of the contest was a dentist named shinichiro kobayashi remember that name (laughs) kobayashi's script was reportedly inspired by the thought of his daughter's hypothetical death uh, and the script included an emphasis on the dangers of biotechnology with, uh, in place of nuclear weapons and always involved a mad scientist figure of some sort attempting to keep his daughter's soul alive. So we're really delving into uh, some strange yeah. territory with this Godzilla movie. Of course, this gives us our first uh, little shop connection. Yeah. Because um, he's a dentist. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Nick wins. Nick wins the week <laughs> with that one. All right. That was good. Um, oh, man. That was good. Well, because now we're seeing the introduction of the truly metaphysical in, in the Godzilla franchise. Because have, have we really seen – we've seen aliens. Yeah. We've seen – I guess we've seen psychics, but you can kind of put that into – I mean, it's all sci-fi technically. But we haven't really gotten into like weird stuff like this yet. So uh, Kobayashi's pitch is very out there. Um, but when it came to creating a monster to fight Godzilla, Kobayashi said this. Now buckle in. This is this is one big quote. <clears throat> the original idea was to find something that could match Godzilla's power and terror if we were bringing back Godzilla. But simply letting the monsters fight each other had been done many times, and clearly there was a limit to it. So in order to bring back Godzilla properly, we had to create an opponent that could, uh, that could fight properly. If there was something equivalent to the terror of nuclear power, it must be the biotechnology which human beings would manipulate could manipulate life because it can be very dangerous if it goes the wrong way ethically. That's where I found the connection. So the idea of a monster that was created by biotechnology was born. Mm. A lot of cool thoughts going into this one, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah, because because this is what you would want to do with this. You know, we want to modernize it, take something that is new. Because mm-hmm. like obviously, you know, nuclear weapons are still an issue, mm-hmm. and you know, the Cold War is still an issue. Yeah, and, and then nuclear after weapons yeah, and all that sort of after eighty four, you can't. Like you can't. But it's like, but yeah. this is what you would want to do with like a, a, a reboot sequel or whatever, like whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Is that like put it put it in a modern context, bring it into you know something that that is 
you know, like an equivalent or something that could become an equivalent uh, mm-hmm. to that to those original nuclear tests. Um, so with the story in place, let's talk about the director. So Tanaka chose an independent filmmaker by the name of Kazuki Amori, who they found fairly early in the process. And actually, Amori, um, even though this is going back a little bit, was the one who chose Kobayashi's script uh, from the pile of submissions um, to move forward with. Now, a little um, history on uh, Mori. Um, he had worked before this as an independent filmmaker in a variety of genres, but this would be his first big studio film. Right. Um, and he was hesitant about joining Toho uh, for a Godzilla entry uh, and specifically working with Tanaka because he was very vocal about not loving the direction that Tanaka and Toho took the Godzilla films in the Showa era 70s, uh, in the in the 70s. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's there's a little bit of like, all right, well, he's going to come in and he's going to work for like the people who kind of took it creatively in that direction. And, you know, how's that going to mesh with what he wants to do? Uh, but despite all those thoughts, Amori kind of accepted it as like a challenge and it's more of an opportunity to like, you know what, let's put this crown back on the king of the monsters and like do something finally like, you know, unique and interesting with mm-hmm. it. So with him on board, him choosing Kobayashi's pitch, um, he spent close to three years reworking everything about the script, and uh, Toho even went ahead and gave him full creative control on this one. Ooh, full creative control. That's, <laughs> that's always, you know, it's always a hard bargain, a whole, always a little bit of a risk. Um, a little bit more information on Amori himself. Amori actually studied medicine before his days as a filmmaker and, held, and holds a license for practicing medicine. Um, and he so... With that in mind, he brought his knowledge of biology into some of the specific narrative beats of the uh, of the story. Um, <clears throat> now, this is one you will find fun, mm. and is very. I I didn't even know this, but I'm like, this is perfect for this podcast. So, while Amori was keen on bringing back Godzilla to prominence, he was he had openly admitted that Godzilla was not his immediate first choice for a big. Uh, studio picture and actually always dreamed of doing a James Bond movie. (laughs) (laughs) I knew exactly where that was going. Nice. Yeah, he always wanted to do that. So the biggest... When we talk about the movie, I'll get more into... Like what the script changes were from uh, Kobayashi's original pitch to what um, Amori put in it, but I will say right off the bat that the biggest addition to it was um, a B plot that was very spy film, yeah, driven, yeah, and because one of the things you just mentioned, you know, you've always wanted to do a Bond movie, and there's there's some elements of the movie that yeah. kind of make more sense. Now, now it was funny; think- I didn't know that even when we watched the movie, and as we were watching the movie, we were kind of like saying, like, oh, see, like a Bond Godzilla crossover could work yeah like you could do it you've always wanted to see that (laughs) um so that's all the information about the the writer and director they're working well and and it's funny because there didn't seem to be any other uh tensions in the making of the movie and it it kind of like amori comes on despite his hesitations he seems to be working very well with um kobayashi who would actually go on to have more input on this movie imagine you're a dentist and like you're like, all right, you get you get to pitch like the newest, um, like what what's a franchise like that's kind of like meh, but you could do better. Like let's say 
like like uh like the X Men. <laughs> like, mm. You get to pitch the new. What a X-Men. what an apt example. <laughs> the X Men. Let's say you get to pitch the new X Men, and you're just like you're just like a pediatrician, and you get to be involved in the production of it all the way. Yeah, would never happen. Well, not not, not in this day and age. No, 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 no. no. Well, would, 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 well, I mean, it could. I would, <laughs> I would love to see if that sort of context ha- contest happened in this day and age. Because first of all, it would never happen because now there's all legal stuff that people are like, well, you sure. can't stand no, like, you can't. unsolicited stuff. But could you imagine like if they did an X-Men context, the pieces of junk scripts <laughs> that they would get? Oh, so you're saying they have been doing that then? Oh! <laughs> but they, no, they would get some really crap scripts and some really troublesome scripts that's that's what i will say oh yeah well but that was the thing it was more that's why this contest was more of like pitch the story what's the story and then they spent like another couple years actually reworking what the script into something that's workable so with all that said uh let's get into the special effects because one thing we talked about with the last movie is that there was an attempt at bringing godzilla in the modern day with i would say admirable but mixed results Mm. So this I wouldn't even go mix. <laughs> oh come on, there's a, there's a few cool like set pieces. Well, yeah, but in that's there. that's like meat, and that's like yeah. a lower mix. Yeah. Not just, mix seems like it's fifty fifty. Yeah. Oh, so it's more like it's like admirable but mixed results. Like, like something right, like that. Right, because it's not like it's like a fifty sixty percent of how about tomatoes. this? It's more, admirable but yeah, results. Yes. how about that? Okay, about All right, more so. like a thirty forty on Rotten Tomatoes. So Tanaka brought in Koichi uh, Kawakita. Uh, who took over the special effects du- duties. Uh, Kawakita previously worked for Subaraya Productions uh, and gained the attention of Toho after his work on the film Gunhead, which is, when I looked it up, is kind of like a Japanese robot movie. Um, so they were very impressed with his work there that they wanted to bring him on to the project for this one. And he would actually go on to be the main uh, super, uh, special effects supervisor for the rest of the uh, Hazy the, era. The main Subaraya. Yeah. Um, so Kawakita proceeded uh, to make his creative mark by first issuing a full redesign of Godzilla himself. Uh, he wanted Godzilla to be a little bit more animal-like, so incorporated uh, some elements of alligators and crocodiles and real reptiles. And um, honestly, as many fans have pointed out themselves, um, actually some mammalian traits as well. This would be like one of the first Godzillas that has like, if you look carefully, as like prominent ears on it that are very kind of feline-ish, but very but small enough. I did not notice. Um, yeah, it's one of those things like you wouldn't notice un- unless you're looking at it. Um, actually, one thing we've never actually talked about it is that if you look up, the fan community has a name for every suit. Yeah. Uh, in the in the franchise, and it's usually something Goji. So in this one, it's Bio Goji, and a- and also based off of Kobayashi's uh, suggestions, Godzilla was also given a double row of teeth. Um, bulbs were placed in the dorsal fins to lessen the reliance on animation. So a lot more thorough design going into this one. Um, now the reason this one is so important uh, from in the film's uh, aspect and personally, now this model of Godzilla would go on to be uh, the base model of all the Godzillas for the Heisei era, okay. with the exception of maybe a tweak here, or a tweak there. But this is generally the look. So it's gonna of this Godzilla. is gonna be like the look that we have. Yeah. it's not gonna be like the show where we have like a million different suits. Mm-mm. Based on like what year it is, yeah. So for the next like, for the basically the rest of this era, it's this suit, and it means a lot to me too because again, this is the era of Godzilla I grew up with. So if 
when I think of Godzilla, it's closer to this design. To that design, yeah. So th- this is always the Godzilla um, I-, I knew. And mm-hmm. we never really talked about the look of Godzilla previously. You know, I again, I think I'm so attached to this one that I've never really been attracted to many of the other suits in the past. Like, there's one here, one there that I may like. But th- this is the one that I think strikes me strikes me the most. This Godzilla looks really good. Mm-hmm. This Godzilla looks like much better than the last one, and much more kind of distinctive, and, and just overall from it, it, you do lose yourself in the suit, which was my biggest criticism of the last one. Is I felt that the last suit was too much. Like I could just tell it was a fake animatronic, or just like it was. It just didn't look real. Well, and, and like this one does. I'm kind of a little more partial to like the late 70s Godzilla design, like mm-hmm. late Showa era Godzilla suit and mm-hmm. Godzilla design. But um, I, I will see as the, this series goes on. But this is for like a modern, like good, better special effects, better technolo- mm-hmm. technological tank on Godzilla. This is very, very good. Well, like, the, it's very easy on the eyes. Well, the biggest one to me is like the animatronic head because even I wasn't yeah. as critical of it last time, but. It definitely helps when you close in on Godzilla that it's not a completely yeah. different looking thing. And and like the movement, like again, like he, there's tongue movement in this one. Yeah. And that's a lot better of a choice than the lip flap. Yeah. I just can't get over like the lip flap just <laughs> looked bad. It just looked weird. It just made me uncomfortable every time he did that little lip flap thing. Um, so as we uh, wrap up um, some of the special effects stuff, that would bring us into, and we haven't had this because we missed it in our last movie. But, Nick, we have a new monster. Yes. <laughs> and uh, there, there's, a, there's a good amount of information going into this one. But the new monster... Well, we did have a new monster last time. It was the Americans and the Russians willing to just bomb... That's true. Yeah. Bomb, you know, Japan without any, any grievances. And that sea louse. Yes. That, that the, one time. Yes, the sea louse. <laughs> um, but, anyway, the new monster we have here is the movie's namesake, Biolanti. Mm-hmm. Or Biolanti. Or Biolant, I believe, is said in some, in some places. Uh, Nick, as always, will you do us the honors of describing what Biolanti is? So... You know, Biolanti is kind of has a, a very a base form and then like kind of a more evolved form. And the base form is basically like a giant beanstalk with a rose head. Like that's like the base form, and everybody's kind of first discovering that this you know monster exists. And we'll get into like how it's made in the movie. But that kind of has just a rose head, kind of this beanstalk, but kind of like with with like little you know you know uh, vines and mm-hmm. arms and stuff like that. And then it evolves into like the actual monster, mm-hmm. which kind of looks like i guess i i kind of describe it so it's it's Mm plant-based and it's got like so it looks like it does look like little shop of horrors Mm -hmm. like it it does look like that um uh well i guess we also should mention it's not the monster in little shop of horrors not seymour seymour is the guy audrey 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 too so it does look like audrey too it also looks like kind of like a, a Metroid boss, like Kraid. <laughs> it does. It um, really does. And then it, I also kind of thought at one point it would be like if you did a modern day, like if you brought back 
King K rule because now he's back in Smash. Yay. Yeah. Uh, but if you brought him back for a new Donkey Kong game and like he the final boss was like he was like you did the scientist form of K rule. Yeah. And he did, like, oh, I see. He did like a yeah, Kremlin yeah, yeah. experiment that's kind of similar. Turns him into a plant monster. Turns him into a plant monster. I kind of yeah. thought that as well. Well, we should also mention that it's a monster that contains the DNA of Godzilla, a human, and a rose. Yeah. Yeah. And mm. I think that that's a big kind of like conceit behind what the monster right. is. Yeah. Um so and I and also I would very say, like goopy, slimy blood. Yeah. yeah, well what what did you did you like the design? Because this to me Design design wise it was very different, very unique. Like from a pure design standpoint, like that first image of it with just the rose head and like that's the kind of in the sea yeah. that we see is very striking. And yes, like I always appreciate when there's like a new type of monster for Godzilla to fight. Right. And like from from a purely design standpoint of the look, this was a very unique and, and cool at the end of the day looking monster. Yeah, despite I, like how you, I could just associate it with a bunch of different things. I I I'm very uh, blown away by technically how this. Yeah, thing looks. that that really is just from 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 a technical standpoint. You you this is the one where you kind of wonder like how they did it because, because it, it, it is like because it's also we should also mention it is massive too. Yeah, like and it's basically it almost looks like it's immobile because it looks like a giant like plant monster that's mm-hmm. rooted to the ground but it there's scenes where it's like kind of like bum rushing Godzilla and it is like at least like like a like a, maybe not twice his size but he definitely over he, he's he's bigger than Godzilla which is just it, it does like you like you can't help but look at something like this and appreciate the craft the craft of that, it that, yeah that goes yeah. that goes into, into it. it especially cuz it's there is just probably so much that goes into yeah. like, well, making that work. I can tell you how the, what went into it. What? <laughs> oh, no man. No way. What a segue. So, uh, Biolani was actually one of the most complex and troublesome kaiju to achieve on film. Given the design, uh, simple pseudomation was not, uh, was not an option and thus required a combination of manual control, puppeteering, and acting. So the first form, as you said, was just, was just kind of like a beanstalk with a giant rose monster head. Uh, that was probably the easiest. Uh, the super performer would get in, and in the scene, it takes place in a lake. Uh, so the set it, like has a certain amount of water in it, and the super performer would get into basically the trunk, and which is a slightly above the water level, and he's able to manipulate the creature and the head a little bit. Uh, the puppeteers still had to control the network of vines and everything, but overall, the first form was easier okay. to to achieve. The second form, obviously, and when you see it on screen, is definitely the most challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, aside from just the massive size of the creature itself, which had a performer go in and work as much of the creature as they can, it took a total. Well, first. First of all, it took hours to just rig up the vines, mm-hmm. and it took a total of thirty-two puppeteers to actually control each vine in the gods in the fight against Biolani and Godzilla. Um, and in both cases, visibility was very minimal in both suits, meaning the Godzilla suit and the Biolani suit, with the suit performer having a hard time aiming the Biolani head, and uh, with the with Satsuma in the Godzilla suit. Not only not able to see, but also not able to quite feel the attacks, the oncoming attacks from Biolani. So it took Susuma to, in his you know suit performing skills, to try to sell getting hit by the uh, by, by the vines, by and, the stuff, vines and stuff because he couldn't feel anything, mm. which is very it's it's an Especially admirable when, yeah, skill. It's an admirable, and when you watch the movie like that, you don't really 
can't really tell. Oh yeah, no, much. you buy you buy that part. Like though the two the two monsters of fighting. Um, at one point it was considered uh, to use stop motion to achieve Biolani's vines, but actually the idea was scrapped after Kawakita saw the test footage and deemed that the the blend of the animation and the live action didn't didn't quite. Uh, didn't quite work but I um, suggest anybody going online the clips of it are on YouTube and it's one of those things you look at it you're like oh that it's very Ray Harryhausen yeah it's that's exactly what it looks like because it's like these this this footage of like the vines like really just animatedly going Mm -hmm. you know how they would achieve uh, via the animation so Nick with all that said we have uh, we have a new direction as much as you can with the Godzilla franchise. You have mm-hmm. a new source of inspiration. Like, all right, we're going to go a little bit more creative with this one while kind of like paying homage to like what we've been doing for so many years with monster versus monster. We have a new, we have new effects, a new Godzilla in place. We have a new monster in place. Um, and it's, it seems to be a production that was much more, uh, a little bit more meat to the bones of this one, but ultimately one that went fairly fairly well. And it seemed to, this whole experience, what I gathered from it, really bred a creative environment in making a Godzilla movie that I don't think that we had seen. For a while. For, for really quite some time. Yeah, probably in like the <laughs> height of the Showa era, right before, like right before the end, like, you know, right before kind of Gigan and Megalon and stuff where those were all kind of really weird productions mm-hmm. like, right like probably that like a you know that original kind of run of the godzilla sequels like abira and all the way up to destroy all monsters probably i would say destroy all monsters probably the last the time. last like true like collaboration and mm-hmm. like everybody's like all on board with this yeah. yeah um so uh that's all the information about the production of it do you have anything else to say before we actually get into godzilla versus biolani i know what the other contest is <laughs> well, what would you it's remember? terror of mecha godzilla because the whole thing was like there were supposed to be the two monsters that combine into one from that script, and then they're like, "No, we can't achieve that." So it was like, "Was that a contest though, or was it, that just the no, scripts?" No, no, it was a contest. All right. Well, I remember it's Jet Jaguar, Titanosaurus, and Violent TR three contest monsters. Well, Nick is the host of the Bonzilla podcast, so he must be right. But until then, let's take our break and then talk about Godzilla versus Biolani. And when we come back, I'm gonna play us in. With a with a with something that may get us in the mood. <laughs> Doctor Shiragami, congratulations. One day we're going to put all of this to good use. We have to isolate samples of the gene and put them into production at once. I won't continue my work on bacteria anymore. Biolanti's convinced me of that. What is the matter? You have to continue with your work, Doctor. You've got all the cells you'll ever need. Godzilla and Biolanti aren't monsters. It's the unscrupulous scientists who create them who are monsters. Nick. Some nice jazzy beats to bring us in to Godzilla versus Biolanti. Pure 80s straight into my veins. (laughs) Dude, when this came on, Nick and I were just, we we both looked at each other immediately and were like, oh, oh man. What was my, 
Because you you made fun of my catchphrase. One hundred percent. Yeah. So like I, I we we'll, wouldn't we'll elaborate like one hundred percent in one hundred percent yes. <laughs> it was just like one hundred percent. It's implied when I like something, and I, it wasn't only during this movie I've ever said this. Like this usually is the first what, time I've ever heard really? you just say just a hundred percent. Oh wow. Well, like, usually when I like could, something, I'm just like one hundred percent. But you usually say yes. 100 also this time usually like one you pronounce the 100 this one was just like 100 percent yeah well you know yeah you know we were watching a movie i had to pay attention so i yeah, no, do the quick thing that's great well you know actually um while we're on the subject of uh the music um i think th- this would be a good time to mention uh that we do see the return not only of such not the return but the creation of such jazzy beats yeah but also the return of uh important or, or pivotal themes from Akira Fukube himself Uh, now he wasn't the you know the composer of the piece but um, it was one of those things where it's kind of similar to the Halloween theme that there's so many terrible Halloween movies but man when that theme kicks on like you can't help but kind of like especially because this theme like we really when you go back to a lot of the short era movies they they don't use this theme there's a lot of different types of Godzilla themes that we've had yeah. you know, we, but 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 really like that theme that's associated with the 54 film it does come back here and, yeah. and it's such a good theme even though every time I hear it I kind of think it's going to transition into the Bonzilla theme <laughs> I just think I, that's what I hear well, the, the, so that was also but our favorite one though yes, was the yes the military theme yeah. comes back too well that was the one I really got nostalgic for like the Godzilla theme is like yeah but the military theme that that's an all-time classic. Uh, but, I, I mean, I don't know. How can you not like a jazzy beat like that? No, that's, like, again, <laughs> just pure 80s in its purest form. It's fantastic. Uh, but anyway, all right. So, let, let, let's get into this. Godzilla versus Biolani. I enjoyed this one, is, is how I would say it. <laughs> I don't know why I kind of, like, didn't mm. uh, bury the yeah. lead, lead on this one. But there are elements of this that I think are the reason why this franchise is going to stay afloat through the late 80s and uh, the 90s and I think that's because I think we'll see in this series I think there is a little bit more attention to actually making characters that you can follow mm-hmm. uh, whether you, you know however you feel about like the the ultimate story of it I, I do think that the attention to do something interesting with all these movies I think shines through in a little bit more of a memorable way than I think some of the Showa era is because I think the Showa era becomes kind of memorable by what monster was in it yeah. at the time. Mm-hmm. But I'll be honest, and I do remember them just by nature of we've done this podcast and I just know these. Yeah. But watching all of these movies, I'm definitely a little bit more invested in what's going on in them in the entire plot as opposed to just like, oh, it's Gigan and you know, Gigan like kind of like a lot of the human stuff starts blending together for me in the show series. Whereas I feel I feel the attention put into this one a little bit more, uh, so that that's kind of, and I and I found myself being able to follow the characters in, in a much more enjoyable way than I had it previously. Yeah, that that that's my put, that's put my takeaway nice uh, from it. Dropped a sharpie. Um, Go. What are you doing? I, I thought you were gonna tell me to say my thoughts. No, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to. Don't finish. wait on me to make up your own decisions. Okay, this movie is good. Uh huh. Definitely better than '84. Mm-hmm. I want. Oh, oh, like come way, on, way better. Than Let, let's get that out of the way. Yeah. Like almost in most ways. I lack I, of a seat louse. Yes, that may be it. <laughs> so it is better than '84. I did want to like this a lot more than I did. Mm. 
because it's, I and I do wonder if part of it was like I had seen it before, I remembered enjoying it before. I wonder if I hyped myself too much up. You know, mm-hmm. I, I fell into that trap. And I was like, oh yeah, Biolante. I remember liking this one. We're getting into this like modern Godzilla era. And I remember Biolante being cool. And this one was just like it presents a lot of interesting ideas. I do like kind of. I do like the ideas, and I do like the thrust of the human plotline. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if it's executed in the most spectacular way that it could. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it's just an overall thing about the movie that I kind of struggled with uh, in getting invested in is just the kind of... There was an element of a lack of some stakes in the movie, at least something that I could get like really invested in in mm-hmm. some ways. Because like... We'll get. I, I want to save more of that specific stuff for when we continue like talking about the movie. I don't want to just kind of throw that all out there. But I just felt that a lot of times I kind of wanted to be more invested in these characters and like more invested in the Godzilla fight. I just I just wanted a little bit more of like in the same way that I kind of got invested in like like Ghidorah and the Abira mm-hmm. fights and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I, I there are a lot of great elements of this movie. And again, I do think overall it's a good movie. But I just I wanted a little bit more out of it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. The monster fights definitely in this one because the one thing I will say going forward is like the Showa era era was like very like kinetic and yeah. very much like the the monster the kaiju are kind of like wrestling moving yeah. each other. Eh. The one thing I will say, kind of going forward, it, it, the Hazier era is not that well, no, no, I'm, I'm not and i'm not yeah. looking for that mm-hmm. necessarily i mean i do think there's some elements a little bit of that in this movie with the violent godzilla fight mm-hmm. i was just thinking more from like it's just an overall world sure like, i like mean a, a, a destruction type standpoint of like like if it, there was a little bit more of a save the world or save something element yeah. of it yeah. you know yeah because the, I, I the do, stakes of it the, the immediate creative stakes of it do end i would say midway through yeah. the movie right um, and, and I would even concede the point that maybe as technically brilliant as it is, and maybe, and you know, uh, and we've been through this about many different types of movies is that like, if, if a movie is technically brilliant, I may not give it the pass, but if I like the other stuff enough, like it, it's a big deal to me. No, no, I, I, I um, can understand that. And, and, but I do concede the point that maybe even the fights aren't quite as dynamic uh, to necessarily make the entire trip worth it. But what I will say is, like, I, I did get invested in the in the plot elements and the plots, even though I agree with you, I don't think it's quite as 100% executed. And and quite frankly, I'm not sure of any Hasey movie I would give the 100% to in terms of plot execution. But that being said, there were enough elements in this that I liked and I do think elements of it where I would say 85, I would say like maybe 80% juggled well for myself. I do think that there, there again, I'm not saying that I wasn't invested at all. Mm-hmm. I, I should say that. I still was a little bit no, invested I, I get in you. some characters. I and I do feel like, again, especially the beginnings of some of those characters I felt were very interesting. I just I just felt well, there were some decisions throughout the movie where it was like you, you could have made this a little bit bigger. Well, um, I would also say that the movie's first half, I would say really up until... Godzilla fights the Biolani form one. Yeah, I think it even juggles its elements a little bit better. You know, then saying that, I would one hundred percent agree. I think because, like, I just want to finish my point because I do think, like, because they equally put in the spy stuff with the preparation for Godzilla stuff, and I think quite well. And I think once you get past 
uh, Biolani Form 1, then it kind of starts to be like, now it's all just like, we got to get rid of Godzilla. Yeah. And then that's pretty... Okay, well, ultimately, here's the thing. The plot is, and I did enjoy the plot, because the plot is like uh, this focus on biotechnology. Yeah. And the conceit of the this movie is that these companies are working on biotech. And there's this kind of conglomeration of, I think they basically say it's American biotech companies mm-hmm. that are trying to sabotage these uh, like these Japanese and European countries that are doing biotechnology research. Right. And they want all of their research. And it's kind of like this uh, industrial biotech war going on. Mm-hmm. And then one such instance in which there is a sabotage of a uh, Japanese biotechnology facility, uh, this scientist um, who uh, his name is Dr. Shiragami, uh, his daughter gets killed, and which sets off his uh, plans uh, throughout the movie. Well, the movie opens up uh, with everybody, and this was also kind of an interesting plot point about how does Japan just move on from Godzilla. Yeah. And, and I like this element of it a lot because from the military aspect, like now they're putting in all these procedures, like what do we do when Godzilla comes back? Right, they have uh, like a four-plan procedure, yeah. like, a four, like four alerts that people know and all that sort of stuff. They're building a new... Uh, uh, so- a, Super X. Uh, yeah, Super X2. Uh, they, the, there's the one bit where they have the um, Godzilla Museum kind of. Or the, the, the memorial. The memorial. Uh, Which is totally like funny because it's, like it's like at the site like of like, you know, the attack is in Tokyo. Mm. It's like the Godzilla, Go- yeah, the Godzilla, the Godzilla Memorial Lounge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. like a little restaurant. <laughs> with like a, I loved all that. I loved all yeah. that. And, but but it, it was just totally some, that stuff that happened still with disasters. But, but uh, you know. Coming off of the the last movie, uh, Japan gets a hold of um, some Godzilla cells. Yes, and that's another aspect of like, okay, science is now, you know, they're taking a closer look at these Godzilla cells mm-hmm. and like what benefit could they have to science yeah. and stopping Godzilla if he ever returns. Because yeah. remember, at the end of 84, Godzilla is like locked in a volcano. Right. Like they lead Godzilla to the volcano and he's like locked in a volcano and everybody thinks he's, he's, he's gone. Here's, an, here's a question I have for you. So here's a trend that we'll definitely have to get used to. And I think we've talked about this even with the Showa era, but there is a this movie does set the precedent of the Hasey era, uh, which I know spoils it a little bit, but might as well just talk about it. About how do you feel about the the movie spending a good chunk of time basically talking about Godzilla and the rest of the plot, and then you know, and then taking a little bit of time before the monster actually shows himself. I don't mind it as long as it feels like the monster is actually in the movie. Because right. that, like, if we go back to the Showa era, that was a problem that I had with, uh, you know, it's a problem with Astro Monster. Mm-hmm. Is that, like, it takes a while for the Godzilla stuff to happen, and then it just, it feels like you could have written him out of the movie. As long as they make him, like, you know, like in this one, it's perfectly fine, that structure, because it's still, once Godzilla appears, he's still, like, a very active part of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can kind of have that build up because it happens in 2014 as well. Yeah. I mean, it happens in 2014 where there's this big build up to it, and then once he's there, okay, he's a major part right. of the movie. It's just like so if you do go something like Astro Monster, where like they talk about him, it's this element, and then he kind of shows up for five minutes, and then yeah. doesn't, doesn't have anything to do. Well, then Astro Monster is also hurt because then they add the aliens that. Aren't, well, but, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I, I don't mind that structure, and, mm. and 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 that's the structure going forward. I can definitely deal with that yeah. but you just gotta 
do it well within the context of the movie and the script. Because well, if you don't do it well, it's very noticeable. If like this one, like Godzilla not appearing until like halfway through the movie, or like was this, was this about halfway through the movie? Like did not bother me at all. Right. Like it wasn't even a thought in my head. I you know I have put a lot of thought into this, and it's the only franchise where I'm okay where I go against the show don't tell rule because I am all in because I love like the Godzilla is a big animal or a force of nature type of thing I'm all in on this like everybody like the entire conversation talking about like yeah. him to a certain mm-hmm. way because you're right because the plot is at least focused on its a plot and its b plot and its b plot is like all like the monster stuff or I, I won't say which one's the A or B plot, but you know what I mean? Like, there's right. a part of it that's all about, like, the monster Monsters. and the science stuff, and then there's the other stuff that, like, is the science that goes into that, and then there's the stuff about Godzilla. Um, I don't mind because it's all related to each other, and like I said, unlike what we've had before, at least there is, you know, there's some cohesion with what we're doing with the characters this time. Mm-hmm. Because, like, the big thing is, like, you're right, these companies you know have or this japanese company has the godzilla cells so a big question becomes like should we use these cells to make an anti-godzilla weapon right. and of course the big moral lesson is like well we may make this weapon but you know what what will be the consequences right. of that what could else could it be used for yeah and, and then but then there was like then i kind of liked the little bit of debate where like the kind of jolly businessman uh was kind of like made that argument of like you know we've been bombed and attacked by monsters like i think it's time we had our own uh deterrent uh, yeah. of some of some yeah because the idea way. that they have with the godzilla cells is they feel like they could make it basically an anti-nuclear weapon because mm-hmm. that's the whole thing is that godzilla feeds off nuclear energy feeds off that radiation if they can turn the godzilla cells into something that would absorb that and and you know basically like basically render the uh, the nuclear energy neutral mm-hmm. that they could they could defeat godzilla if he ever comes back right right um so like and and that and that all stuff works for me but the biggest thing now that we're talking about precedents sent by the hasty series yes uh here here is one here is one that's a big that, first th- th- this is a big first uh are you familiar with the term casual psychics? Very casual psychics. Because <laughs> I was so, this is one of those things again that I had seen Biolanti before, mm-hmm. and I knew that this movie had psychics in it. And having seen the Godzilla movies before this, now mm-hmm. I can say, okay, we were approaching this movie, and we were saying like, oh, okay, this is the first one with really explicit psychic stuff. Like maybe other than. Um, uh, the first Mechagodzilla had some of that kind of element to it, like mm-hmm. a little bit, but not necessarily like it was just kind of more of a vision than actually yeah. being psychic. So this one was like, okay, this first one actually focused on people having psychic powers. Yeah. So I was thinking like, okay, this is going to be something that, oh, it was going to be revealed as a, you know, a, like a, a, like a reveal, plot point. Like a plot point where it's like, okay, it's this big reveal, like, oh, she's the first psychic, or, oh, this was a fall from the fallout of Godzilla's attack. You know, more nuclear radiation is in the air, or something like that. And oh, this is how people are getting psychic powers. Yeah. How it is told in the movie is basically like they're walking and talking. And they're basically like, oh yeah, we have this like psychic class or whatever. <laughs> they're basically like walking, Mi- and talking. Miki Segusa, yeah. who so uh, just, like, she right- is the teacher basically of this psychic school mm, yes. for children who uh, you know showcase signs of uh, ESP, mm-hmm. which I am- not EMP. Yeah. Which I am 100% on board that we just – because we're opening our – because here's the thing. We're opening our world where there's giant monsters. There's a bunch of wacky shit coming down the road. Mm -hmm. 
you might as well just like oh and there's there's psychics yeah <laughs> this is a movie where this guy's making a giant rose monster let's put some psychics in it and you know what i'll be damned if anybody complains about it because it brings about maybe one of my top 10 favorite godzilla moments in all the franchise there's this awesome moment where i you know because nick knows i'm a big fan of like big reveals where like oh the stakes just got higher like yeah. I- i'm in love with those moments but at one point they're like oh the kids are you know they you know they all had the same dream last night and they're they were kind of all freaking out so we sent them to class to like and one of the things they do with the psychic kids is that they draw so that they see like what their psychic visions were yeah and you know she goes into the class and it's like hey children it's like hi and it's like so tell me what it's like uh what let, let, it's like did you get finished your drawing yeah and it's like let's see them and they all put up the pictures and it's just a sea of drawings of Godzilla and the Godzilla theme kicks in and it is bad <laughs> like come on dude that was a pretty awesome moment that it's was a, a pretty, pretty awesome, awesome mistake but the reason and I all, want... all the drawings look really cool too just like they're very kiddish drawings but that's what I mean like to me that's such like a great cinematic kind of like simple way mm-hmm. to like you know show you know what what your uh what um what is about to come so not only is she um, part of the psychic school, um, but she's also uh, a uh, – we've seen our first reoccurring character in the Heisei series. Mm-hmm. And um, she is played uh, – uh, do I have the actress's name? Yes. Uh, Megumi Odaka. And uh, she had actually never seen a Godzilla film and was initially really scared of the suit. Um, until she actually became uh, close friends with Susuma, who was the uh, the the suit performer. Um, but we will see her return uh, in it, which I think is like really cool. It's very like, interesting. Because the other thing we didn't mention, because uh, we've like, had very few, like if any, like characters crossing over. Well, also like, Tanaka. Most, yeah, the I, most we've had really is the the third whole black planet alien. Yeah, third planet. Third planet from Black Hole, whatever. Those aliens come back. Uh, but, like, Tanaka also did, and Toho did say, like, all right, we are continuing a continuity with this. It's not just something that just we happened. We are establishing like, right. a, a universe of films that um, are possibly cinematic. But also a little bit of information about her. I'll talk about some of the script changes. In uh, Kobayashi's original, uh, you know, uh, pitch for it involved a, um, <clears throat> a reporter who just randomly got uh, the psychic visions of a giant rose and like you know monsters and everything, which leads her to begin her investigation. See, he uh, he the, knew his Godzilla franchise. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> well, because here's the thing, and I think I can get into some of the script changes. So the original story was definitely more of a mad scientist plot, uh, and it involved Doctor Shiragami, uh, who was trying to bring his daughter back to life. Uh, through his genetic experiments, and it cre- and it created a bunch of experiments that went wrong. Mm-hmm. So we actually got to see in that original script a bunch of different, uh, not a bunch of different monsters, but a bunch of different experiments. Uh, and the biggest creation uh, was a giant amphibian rat called De uh, De De <laughs> was the name of the giant rat, uh, which would have landed in Tokyo Bay and fought and ultimately got killed by Godzilla. Um, now, that idea was in the writing process was scrapped entirely for, in favor of the Biolani Form 1. Mm-hmm. So instead of Biolani twice, essentially, it would have been this guy's mad experiments gone gone awry yeah. that uh, Godzilla would fight. 
And um, Shirigami would have likely had been a tragic antagonist and would have ultimately apologized for his actions. And this is skipping ahead. The end of the movie would have saw Biolani uh, forming into a more humanoid type monster that would have defeated Godzilla by melting his face off with acid. <laughs> Hmm. Which she kind of almost does in, in, this, yeah. in this movie, almost a little bit. But that that was kind of where we're at now. Instead, what it is mostly, we get some elements of that. So we get some of that mad scientist stuff. But he's kind of portrayed as just he agrees they need his expertise on dealing with these Godzilla cells. Because he had worked cells. with the Godzilla cells before, right. and that like at that place where the accident happened that killed his daughter. Yeah. Basically, they're getting a team of super scientists together to like work on these Godzilla cells quickly because there is... What do you mean? Some sort of scientist squad? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, um, uh, but yeah, he's getting them all together. Was that, was that a suicide squad y- reference? Y- yes! <laughs> oh, I thought this was like a line. I was like, that, they never said that in the movie. Um, okay. Well, uh, but so, yeah, but they're getting like all these people together. And, and it's like basically because they need to form this quickly because there is like a rumbling that they, they feel like Godzilla is going to return. Right. And uh, so Shirigami actually, he initially declines, but then he takes it back up, but strictly for the purpose of getting his hands on the Godzilla cells to create an experiment to bring his daughter back to life. Because he has the DNA of his daughter, and he combines it with a rose, because they were into... Because she was into... Like botany, if I remember correctly. Yeah, like it's very briefly mentioned. Yeah, that she was in the botany. Because she, she, she appears like literally for like five seconds. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he goes and uh, becomes a mad scientist and creates a mad. But he's not really portrayed as a yeah. like evil. <laughs> like he's like kind of like this very naive, wanting mm-hmm. to keep his daughter alive, but somewhat well meaning scientist who yeah. just kind of learns the error of his ways a little bit. Um, which is kind of like one of those things where. He's never really taken to task for no, it. No, and, and that would be one. That would be one of those things. I mean, I guess he does get killed at the end of the day, mm. but yeah. which kind of that that did surprise me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and like, because because the whole thing was like then other uh, the the competition of like all these biotech technologies where it's like, all right, well, you know, we don't need the Godzilla cells, but we have to make sure nobody else can use it. So. They're, they send uh, sunglasses agent man mm. who's awesome. Oh yeah, we got it. He, he's talk. so badass that when he's finished, when it, when a gun is empty, he just throws it across <laughs> his shoulder. He looks like such like a Terminator. Yes, <laughs> like the first time you see him, it's like it's like right after the Godzilla attack, um, and they show like the military guys like taking the Godzilla cells mm-hmm. and like stuff. Then you, you kind of just see him like behind a wall, gun up with sunglasses on, silent, stoic. Yeah. And being like, well, that was when it's like, oh, this was made in the eighties. Yes. Yeah, one hundred percent. Because it was the most eighties. Because that got, opening scene. Yeah, yeah. I got the scene. You got the theme that the, mm-hmm. the, the the theme we played earlier, and like big gunfight, and like the cool villain, like antihero type. Yeah. Of, type he of also had your favorite moment in the entire movie, I think, or at least your funniest moment in the movie with the blinds. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so at one point, like <laughs> later in the movie, like so. There's there's this whole back and forth between this this sunglasses agent and the Godzilla cells where he's like you know because um, there's this other like I, he's not part of the organization that's no he the, seems like a hired like yeah. hitman because assassin. like there's another there's... organization that's basically blackmailing 
you know, and threatening to release Godzilla if they don't get the Godzilla. Well, that's the stuff. American conglomerate. Yeah, that's yeah. the American conglomerate. Mm-hmm. So there's this other company that's that. And so they're trying to get the Godzilla cells. And, and he's also trying to get them. So there's this one. Like, that's basically how Godzilla escapes. Well, what was the... I can't remember. But it, there's a European company that Japan was working with. I can't remember what it was. Uh, but there's the European company and then there's like the American conglomerate. And it's revealed later that he works for the European like people yes to and like the, the, get it out of american hands yeah yeah um so there's a lot of like that there's one scene where these american guys are spying on dr shiragami and then it like pans out to see like this secret agent spying on yeah. the americans and then i i, I well, prayed that it was going to be another like and then a third person yeah. is spying and on then godzilla yeah. spying on yeah <laughs> uh, no because then like there's that whole thing where then the americans break into the lab to steal stuff and right he comes in to stop them and try to steal it himself and then that's when like you get the first sense of violent yeah, yeah and then later the they the american guys are, are blackmailing and and basically saying like we're gonna release we're gonna bomb this mountain that godzilla's yeah. at we're gonna release him if you don't give us the Godzilla. but this stuff. is kind of going back to your point because at that point in the movie it's like all right they're like really constructing like a movie where like the stakes are kind of interesting yeah and they're kind of fucked a little bit mm-hmm. because it's like because basically you're right because the seismic activity around the volcano is worrying everybody and this conglomerate is saying like listen we planted these charges on there that if we explode it's probably going to wake godzilla and if you don't want that give us the cells right and, and so, it, so it's basically super, yeah. the japanese guys um are, are gonna agree they're like well we can't we can't let godzilla out so we'll give them we'll give them these cells and we'll mm-hmm. figure it out later but then the other guy, you know, the the secret spy, agent, secret agent spy, sunglasses dude, basically kills the two Americans essentially, mm-hmm. uh, and basically they're not able to stop the explosions. Mm-hmm. So Godzilla does get released. But the moment we're talking about, the yeah. moment that, so later in the movie, so he gets the cells, but because now all traffic stopped because of Godzilla, mm-hmm. and so he's basically I can't get to to you, and then I think he loses the uh, loses the cells again, mm-hmm. and so he calls like the European guy. And he's like, okay, that's when he's like, okay, well, you know, we lost the cells, but, um, you know, we can't, that's fine, as long as nobody else can have them, so kill, Yeah, you know, Dr. Shiragami. Dr. Yeah. Shiragami. And so he's in this office building on the call, and the sunglasses guy kind of, like, looks, peeks outside the blinds, and he's, like, pulls the blinds down, and he sees Godzilla. Just, just tearing right? the city apart. Tearing the city apart. <laughs> and he puts him up, and he turns around, and he's like, shit, and walks away. <laughs> It's pretty funny. No, it's but, a, it's a good I bit. Mean, like I, we, to talk but, about, like, well, let's just get to violent one, and then I'll talk about. Well, I mean, what else is there to say? Well, I mean, but it, basically, it, like, yeah. So that when they're attacking the office, there's this kind of hint that there's this kind of plant monster because mm-hmm. they get like taken in, which I thought was a pretty cool scene. You know, it, like, it's, again, very. It's kind of very little shop of horrors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But then the next day. Biolanti Form Biolanti, 1 is Bo- in the lake. Bo- Biolanti Form 1, they have the big beanstalk with the rose head, mm-hmm. is in the lake, and everybody's like, oh my god. Which is really funny, because in this continuity, that is like the second monster anybody's ever that's seen. That's true. Yeah. It's not <laughs> that, Mothra, that it's not Angiris, yeah. it's, it's just like this rose monster that's yeah. created. Then there's this, all this stuff that's like, hey, like, you, what are you doing? You're some of that. And then he says, like, okay, this is, it's, it's the combination of the you know spirit of my daughter with the, the cells of Godzilla, and and the, uh, you know, yeah. the spirit. The, and, the like, Shiragami is, like, so convinced, like, oh, this is, like, a benevolent human, 
Like yeah. this is something with a human spirit and it's like a miracle of nature or whatever. Right. And then they're just like, no, dude, it's a it's a giant rose monster. And then and then eventually all that all this stuff we mentioned before leads to the yes the the volcano explodes from mm-hmm. the American bombs and Godzilla comes out and that scene that that reintroduction of Godzilla is is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like the news because the new suit again looks great, mm-hmm. looks again a little bit more energetic than that than the previous '84 suit. I think you, it just looks cooler. It, it just, just looks, looks cooler yeah. overall. It just no, it just gives a better energy to it. Then you have all these wall of explosions behind him and he's well, got Well, can we talk about the pyrotechnics on this movie? Yes. Are just really ing- like there were several like wallpaper Facebook banner worthy shots mm-hmm. in this movie. Like remember there was that one shot of the Super X2 uh, like uh, coming into the foreground with Godzilla like in the background in the city and then yes. the city just explodes mm-hmm. right behind him and it's like oh man this that's the kind of stuff I watch these movies for right um, and then and then you had Super X2 which was the, is this giant kind of like flying saucer thing which a l- nice little continuity note is that in the last one you know it was self-piloted you yeah. know by people and now in this one it's remote piloted presumably not to get anybody killed mm-hmm. and it has this mirror that if Godzilla shoots its beam into it it shoots like a more powerful beam out which yeah. i hate that thing in the 2014 godzilla video game is it's just really annoying <laughs> um and i also introduced a character who i thought was very haphazardly introduced but i ultimately liked him in the movie as like the young uh the the young military officer that guy i liked a lot actually mm-hmm. I, I especially like as he goes through the movie like kind of his you know, because it's a very simple journey. So he's out there to stop Godzilla. Mm-hmm. But like, I just thought like he just was. I, I think he gave a great performance that really sold like his desperation for it. Right. I, I kind of liked just watching his character do his thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So I like I, I liked all that. Um. And then and then Godzilla goes and he fights the Biolani form one. And so I, this is what I kind of want to talk about. Yeah. Real okay. Quick. All right. Because. Right before that fight, it is a turning point in the movie. Yeah. I won't, I won't it, deny right that. Right before that fight, there's the psychic is there with yeah. with the doctor, and at that point, she says, "Oh, I can feel the human spirit fading. Mm-hmm. I can feel the, and then and now it's a pure monster." And it's that this, it's that scene onward that like I just start slowly kind of losing interest mm-hmm. in the movie because now that like the psychic confirms that like the spirit of his daughter may not be in there anymore. It just doesn't seem like. But Nick, she the the spirit is in there. We see that. We see that the face <laughs> float into the sky. <laughs> Remember? Yes. I At do. the end of the movie, Biolani is killed or disperses into pixie dust, and then there's just an image, a, a still photo of the daughter's Smiling, face like, as it rises. And into I was like, did sky. everybody see that, or is it just for the? <laughs> but no, but but then because then like it's not like. Like doctor, you know the doctor has any reason to protect Biolanti anymore, right? Right. And so, like, like his kind of thing is like now he's fine with it being like fought against because, like, well, I guess you know my daughter's not in there. Well, anymore. I don't think he's fine against it. I think he's kind of like lamenting this, like it's just two monsters fighting each other. Well, I mean, but that's the thing, though. Like, there's, I just feel like he just doesn't have the stakes in the fight anymore that he would have had if you maybe. Uh, had that. I, I won't I, disagree. My problem and, with well, him is that. He gets to this point that is a fine point to make about that. Well, of course, it, it has the moment of Godzilla and Biolani aren't the real monsters. Humanity is yeah. the monsters for creating them, which is actually not a bad point. Right. But I, I don't feel like 
the ground, like, I get the whole point that, like, listen, he tried to tamper with nature and it didn't turn out well. It just kind of made things worse. Yeah. So I get it from them. I, I do agree with you. I don't know if it necessarily laid the groundwork strong enough to justify him getting there. Yeah. If that makes that sense. That makes sense. I, I, so I, I would agree I guess, with that. I guess really the thing is, like, that first Godzilla versus Biolanti fight is one of the, it's just a fight for the sake of a fight. Like, there's nothing where it's like, okay, well, Godzilla's destroying something, so Biolanti steps in. It's not like Biolanti's destroying something, so Godzilla steps in. It's basically like, oh, these two monsters are kind of made of the same cells. They're kind of fighting. One of the military guys, like whoever whoever wins is our is our enemy. And it's yeah. like Biolanti really hasn't done anything to show that. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it's just. And here's the thing: Biolanti, from a design standpoint, is very very cool. Mm-hmm. From a fight standpoint, it's a very very static character mm-hmm. so it's really like godzilla kind of slowly approaching and biolanti like has his like little things that get yeah. cut off and then maybe there's some acid maybe there's some blood stuff but it's just like there's just no stakes to that fight it's like we the audience at least for me like doesn't really care who wins that fight anyway because these especially in this universe it's not like we even have oh godzilla as the hero figure to kind of yeah. get behind like those later showa films do it was just, just like okay we know godzilla is the pure destroyer we know that you know he's got to be stopped from just killing. He's a killing machine in in this at this point. In force the, of nature. Force yeah. of nature right yeah. now. And it's just like to me that just that fight just did nothing. It just, well, it just I, okay. it doesn't I, have any stakes. I, I'm half because, with you because because also then it's not like you know again this is like just off the cuff like rewriting. But mm-hmm. it's not like oh then you know the doctor's like but my daughter's spirit is still in there so like he's not like, he's protective of Biolanti. Like, we got to get okay. in there. So I see it's that just point. like there's the characters don't really they're all just watching it as we are. Mm-hmm. And then it's like everything after that, it's like, okay, well, he defeated Biolanti once. Yeah. Now he's going off to another city. Now it's just kind of, re- not repeating, but it's kind of turning back into 84, which is like, okay, we got to find this way to get to Godzilla. Much better this. version of 84, not, no, no, but It's a much better version, but it's still guy kind of, yeah. we're kind of hitting similar beats in some ways. You know, we still... See, yeah. I have more of a problem with that. I have more of a problem that the fight happens, and then it just, and now it, like, it's the... It's the it's the DCEU problem where it's like it really is just the movie kind of ends and then there's a whole third act to deal with. Like it, yeah. it kind of is a, now again because of the craft and everything we can appreciate it a little bit more. Yeah. But I, I ha- I'm I'm halfway there with you. I, I completely get the analytical and the character and the story stuff right there. I don't know if I would say like it's a fight for the sake of a fight. I do I do think the point of the movie is that he I mean he creates these things out of Godzilla cells and it's not like just Godzilla happens across this rose like I think the implication is it's like it's kind of like crying out and then Godzilla is attracted to it and the point is and what he gets to even though it's kind of clumsily made is that he makes this monster and it just him tampering with nature which is kind of like I'm, I'm actually maybe you're getting me on side on on side of the movie a little bit. Uh, but the point is, is that him tampering with biotechnology and trying to play God is just creating more monsters yeah. and it's creating more chaos. Now, I would agree with you. I do think it may have been a better point. Like it's not like Biolanti's also destroying a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Like if it was something like Biolanti is killing all the the flora and fauna in Japan, and it's like draining all. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like no, Biolanti right. was like somehow destroying things. But you're right. It just kind of becomes a monster that is quite frankly easily dispatched. Yeah. Um. But, so I get. But, so I'm but, halfway with you and, on it. And 
here's the thing. I don't doubt like what your points are, mm-hmm. but just from a for me from a watching perspective, I still need like an in universe. Like I, I can care about the. Well, theme. it's clumsily made. I, I, I agree yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah. I just, like I just the point was, was I was making is that or trying to make is that I can I can get behind the thematics of it, mm-hmm. and I, I I I do think that it's it's worthy of those thematics. Mm-hmm. It's just like it still needs to be rooted in something that I'm invested in within the the, the universe of the story and the characters, and well, I just felt again. like at that point, it just it just wasn't it didn't create those types of you know that right. type of stake where it's like. I can see why this is important to see. Well, I think the biggest problem with it is, like I've said before, because there's a half-hour movie left after it. So even my points I'm making, I would agree, aren't as strong enough when you still have a half-hour movie left to go, in which Biolani doesn't show up again until the last... Uh, like couple, like five minutes or so, five to ten minutes, and yeah. then even that fight's so similar to the midpoint fight, really. Yeah, but I, I the the one thing though, it's like I, I'm way more impressed by it though, because it's like the monster. Oh, no, no, and, no, 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 yeah, yeah. no, I'm not saying that. Like the 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 next of all form looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. But really, again, like Violante was pretty easily dispatched in that first fight, and it really doesn't. It's not a formidable match no, for Godzilla. It really, turns out. it's not, yeah. and, and and like even that second fight with the with the improved form with the acid spit that it has, mm-hmm. and, and it seems like maybe it has a little bit of an advantage, but then again, it just quickly kind of turns into like no. The movie I will give credit for where it's doing a little bit better by balancing how the humans and the monster plots kind of fit together a little bit more mm-hmm. because Biolani comes up and while it doesn't defeat Godzilla, kind of helps. Uh, because they get this idea where they're the anti-nuclear deterrent that they put into Godzilla only is not working because Godzilla is cold-blooded and would only work if like his temperature is raised. And Biolani attacking him and basically spraying him with acid basically raises his temperature and defeats right. Godzilla. Well, also because which they- again, which is kind of like negated because Biolani is killed and then it like Godzilla just goes off into the sea anyway. Right. Well, because they were also yeah. doing the like thunder thing, like the 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 thunder strikes that they had. Yeah, yeah. Um, which leads to an amazing death in the movie. Oh God, yeah. So soup. So secret agent guy. He uh, shoots the doctor. Yeah, he shoots the doctor, and then is another James Bond chase. Yeah, so it's another car chase. It's yeah. very much like out of like Old Night, honestly. It's like, yeah. like just two cars chasing each other. Tumbles off the road. You could easily like when you say like you could easily see that exact same sequence of shots in a Bond movie. Mm-hmm. Like you could tell this guy's oh, yeah. watch Bond movies. But they fall off a cliff. They kind of struggle for a little bit, and like at 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 the at the end of the day, like the secret agent guy. You know, gets he, gets the upper hand. Like he, he gets he, the upper hand, but he steps on a mine. It's one of these Godzilla mines that if Godzilla stepped onto it, it would like shoot up. They could shoot up electricity. And that was Godzilla. the way they were gonna heat up his body at at first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the secret agent guy gets on there. He doesn't know where it's on, and then the military officer turns on the mine that he's on, and it shoots up this ray of electricity that just disintegrates. Like there's nothing left of the guy. It literally looks like. Speaking of track, it literally it looks like like a teleport sequence yeah. from track, where it's just like a lightning shoots up and he's like disappears. But uses like the implication is that. No, so what just- you're saying is, is that we're gonna get like 15 movies down the road. In which they need to find James Bond needs to find all the Infinity Stones to defeat Godzilla. One of and which is secret go- agent guy is guarding the last Infinity Stone somewhere. Is that what you're telling me? Only if one of the Infinity Stones <laughs> is Goldeneye. Of course, he has to go back to get Goldeneye. Um, but yeah, but you, but we, 
here's some common ground I think we could find. I think we were fairly impressed a lot more with the city destruction in this yes, one. Yes, yes. Yeah. Because the, the, there's the city destruction scene that happens, like, you know, in that kind of second half. Mm-hmm. And it is, in, like I said, it is in some ways kind of a repeat of beats and moments, like just from a visual standpoint from 84. It's just mm-hmm. like that kind of that same sort of thing. But there's... It's just a better directed movie mm-hmm. overall, and oh, yeah. you can see in those better looking, too. better looking movie. Like yeah. there's some really cool shots of the city destruction. There's like a really wide shot where you can see Godzilla and then the Super X, like we kind of mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Even like the Super X fight is a little bit more dynamically shot, mm-hmm. so it becomes a lot more interesting. Even though again, it is just another Godzilla fighting Super X too. You, you, also, another thing you, sh- you should get used to in this one is I think it's called the Big Pool. Um, it's basically the the giant tank that they use to right. shoot the ocean scenes in. So that's another big thing you get you have to get used to in these two. But I, I, I thought those I thought those scenes were like they really. I, I just think they have such a good technical handle mm-hmm. on how to make these on how to make these movies. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. and just again, like yeah, I'm so impressed by. I also love like. This guy is like Diet Michael Bay, where Michael Bay like every explosion has sparks coming out of it. Yeah, like it's a like a like it's like it's a planned explosion. Yeah. Like Optimus Prime will just like sit down and there'll just be sparks flying out of the grass. Mm-hmm. Like that's not how that works. Like even in this movie, when people are just shooting at each other, it's like just sparks. Just, yeah, <laughs> just fly. I'm like that's not how that's not how that works. Yeah, but um, but I I do. But again, but it's still kind. Of, I can't help but not like it though mm-hmm. like it because it's so it's just so it's just the look of, of these movies and, and um and yeah. i'm just i'm just in love with it um but um what else uh, last, oh, yeah uh, the, the one could... thing there was that moment where there was like that rock concert music yes that we thought what yeah. we both thought was like just part of the score but then it turned out to be like uh right because godzilla because godzilla is approaching like the city he's about to destroy you're right and all of a sudden it just cuts to like this like rock and roll kind of like and we're like what's going on <laughs> then it like pans over to a concert hall and then and then there's like an announcement like Ladies and gentlemen, Godzilla is on its way to the city. We were asking everybody to evacuate at right. this time, and like that was really cool. Uh, we should also mention um, that another scene with the psychics is that one of the psychics, oh yeah 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 the the girl the, the little girl the the, the 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 teenage girl psychic yeah uh, like actually uses you know all of her psychic energy to like basically communicate with Godzilla and try to like alter his course essentially mm-hmm. uh and it works and i i only mention that because it's uh, something that i don't know I, maybe i wouldn't be surprised if there's a similar scene with millie bobby brown in the uh, upcoming king of the monsters potentially. that that is true which like, is I, why i'm not mad about it i could i could see that yeah because you know it's not like oh they can just control the monsters it's more so like they can influence mm-hmm. Uh, with, with, their, with its bird brain, yeah, yeah. <laughs> never forget. Um, also, like never one little, one little thing I wanted to mention too is yeah. I mentioned this to you during the movie. I felt it was very interesting, just like how easily these movies will just use other languages because we saw it in '84. Yes, but yeah. like at the beginning of the movie, they're kind of recapping like the, what happened at the end of '84, mm-hmm. but it's all like in an English American reporter's. Um, basically, she gives the big exposition yeah. about like. Oh, there's the cleanup crews are happening, but how will Japan recover from this? Last we saw Godzilla, he got stuck in the volcano. What will happen next? Mm-hmm. And they just do this whole exposition scene in English. 
Yeah, with like Japanese well, titles. Well, a, a good chunk of the first act is yeah. in English. And even even at the at the European facility, they're yeah. all speaking in English and stuff like that. So yeah, Doctor Shiragami like struggled with the. Uh, yes, it, I, I I'm not trying to be an asshole about it, but it's like the like maybe it was a recording thing, but yeah. like it, it was at times a little bit hard to understand, but. Um, and I, I thought he did good at the movie, though. Also, so this movie does have good. a countdown clock, and yes. it doesn't need the subtitle, <laughs> the minutes and the seconds, because we it, know what a, count, a go, countdown clock is in universe. Going back to like what you, the, the directing thing, I thought it was very well directed, where you kind of like, oh, yeah. oh, know yeah. like, it's probably going to go down to one and release Godzilla, but it happens at a certain point in the movie where I'm like, oh, that like this is all, this is all working. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall... Let's wrap up our thoughts about the movie. Um, I here's the thing. I do think I enjoyed it, maybe a little bit more than you. Um, again, the technical stuff aside, um, I enjoyed the story enough. But I, I will sigh with you by saying, like, I would say, the Biolani Form One fight is definitely a turning point for the movie, yeah. and more so for me because I think that it has some. It, it thematically gets to a point that is a little bit clumsily made and only becomes a little bit more clumsier given that there's like so much more movie after that. And I think that's kind of like my biggest problem with it. But ultimately I like, I, I think this is maybe not a strong entry, but I think it's a decent showcase of beginning of the first steps of going into this franchise. Yeah, I I do think I'm a I'm a little slightly lower in it than you are. Yeah. Um, but it, I still find it to be an overall good entry and an overall fine watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, for well, here's our, my one for question for our 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 series uh, of movies. So, sorry to interrupt, but here's my biggest question because last time I remember your criticism where you felt that 84 was a step backwards. Do you feel like this is? either getting back to at least what was making Godzilla interesting or do you feel or do you feel like at least this is somewhat the proper step forward that maybe 84 should have been this is the proper step forward mm-hmm. i would say it's like it's it's modernizing the effects it's modernizing the the look and the directing and even the storytelling in some aspects i just i do think that like yes 54 was you know is a, a legendary movie with, which deals with legendary themes. Mm-hmm. But I do feel that, like, the Godzilla movie had evolved where I think it mixed those themes with the monster fights and this kind of the, the, the bigger world stakes. Mm-hmm. And I think that this movie is kind of that step forward. I, I just felt like it was more of what I wanted to see from, like, a modernization of Godzilla right. than what 84 was. Mm-hmm. So I do think with, I would say point. that this is on the right pathway to, like, being great movies right. I, I just think like this is kind of it's not necessarily you know it's not necessarily a sequel to the show of films but it kind of still retains some of that spirit where it's like you know in a very different world i could see the you know biolante being like a, a much more poorly rendered but still mm-hmm. show era monster right but it's just like it just modernizes uses those you effects. could see them doing a plant monster yeah. in the show and, and what i'm saying is like it just takes us what i personally it takes us stuff that I enjoyed from the Showa era and like just puts it in a modern context and makes it a little bit, you know, better just with some more of the mixing of what 84 did. Well, Nick, I think we can find common ground on that one. So 
Let's wrap up with some post-release, Nick. Yeah. All right. So uh, before we get into the reception of the of the movie, uh, I did want to talk about the U.S. release of this movie. Mm. Now we have often talked about on the podcast about the varying uh, amount of uh, distributors for right. Godzilla films. And you've also mentioned that like you know 84 did or 85 it did very poorly in America mm-hmm. and there there really wasn't you know you, you even said going forward there's not really like you know no more theatrical releases no more theatrical for this releases era. and and so that sort of stuff. Yeah. So uh, so when uh, when Biolani was made, Toho had all plans to have a U.S. release of this movie and actually commissioned a Hong Kong company called Omni Pictures to dub the film in English and then entered discussions with Miramax to distribute. Now, remember, I, I believe that... Uh, 1984, now the distributing rights are owned independently by Kraken Releasing, which, yeah. which we have seen. And uh, that's why it was kind of fun in this one where it's like, oh, an American logo is on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the reasons Miramax was such a good option, because especially at the time, Miramax was a big distributor of foreign and independent film. Right. So that's what made like, it I mean, a you know good... anything about like Miramax as a company. Right. Like, there's definitely things to talk about Miramax as a company, which we shouldn't mention on this podcast, but <laughs> uh, not to get that, that stuff, but it also was like, it was, kind it's of a, a Weinstein was, company. It's a Weinstein okay, company. Yeah. All right. Uh, but, um, you know, it was like a, it was a Disney owned company that like did a lot of like Disney, like adult distribution for Disney mm-hmm. and they, they did, you know, they would distribute and like, they were also big in independent productions. So they would like, you know, distribute stuff like Pulp Fiction and right. like the Tarantino movies and stuff like that as well. Um, but yes, but they were also very big in kind of grabbing those foreign films and international distributions. Well, Toho entered uh, conversations with Miramax to distribute the film, which it seemed that Miramax agreed to do for quite some time. Uh, but then over time, uh, the marketability of Godzilla became a concern, given what you had just said, the pretty bad performance of an American release one in theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Miramax actually backed out of the deal and caused... Uh, Toho to slap a lawsuit on them. Now, again, a lot of like the specifics on like what they actually agreed upon, and you know, a lot of the a lot of the specifics are are unknown. Mm-hmm. But we know that Toho apparently had some grounds where they could sue them mm-hmm. for not distributing this film. Very Bond esque. So eventually, um, <clears throat> so throughout this whole. Uh, process of trying to figure this out. The American release was delayed for two years until Miramax relented and actually permanently buying the distribution rights for the film. And uh, but once they did that, they opted at least for a home release, which mm-hmm. uh, came out in 1992. And that's how we have the uh, American version of it. <clears throat> so, in terms of the reception of the film. The film was met with favorable reception, specifically from Godzilla fans, because that is to be expected, uh, because you have the Japanese audience, which is obviously more culturally familiar with Godzilla at large, and at this point, the only people who are getting Godzilla movies are diehards, because you're not getting any more theater releases, you're only getting people who... Um, who are who are actively yeah. seeking it yeah. out? Yeah, and I I actually have a story about that. Now, growing up, Nick and I grew up in the era kids of the video store, mm. and we had a neighborhood video store, not a blockbuster, not a Hollywood video, a mom and pop shop, mom and pop shop. Uh, and I remember all the time, and this was way before I was really into Godzilla, is seeing the poster for Godzilla versus Biolani. That series of posters that we're using for this uh yeah. for this era which even you agreed were like just badass looking posters 
And that, I just always saw that. And I knew who Godzilla was. And it's just, if you have, you, you'll see the poster on our social media, but it's Godzilla with this very artistic rendering of Biolani as like this giant rose monster. And it's just so cool looking. And I remember as a kid, it just, just capturing my imagination. I'm like, what is that? Like it's Godzilla fighting a giant rose? What? So like that always has a special mm-hmm. place in my heart. Uh, place in my heart. Um, so, uh, as it went on, so it so when it was released, it was it, it did have favorable reception and is also considered to be a fan favorite, but not in like the classic like like sense. It's just like one of the ones where fans are kind of like, oh yeah, no, that's kind of that's a gem in the series, and right. mostly like, yeah, like like uh, how some fans banned like the Dalton movies. So. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's mostly because it was praised for its originality and going back to the versus element, but also adding some fresh themes such as like the original, yeah, yeah, the biotechnology, the design of Biolani, you know, yeah, go, you, the Godzilla fans all over it, mm-hmm. myself included. Um, but one less than stellar review came from Akira uh, Ifakube himself, who disliked the modernization of the Godzilla theme. I did not know if that meant the one that we played <laughs> or the actual Godzilla theme, which I, if you I, listen I, to it, is a little bit different I ass- than the I would assume one. it's the, the one we listened to. Because yeah. <laughs> like, the one, yes, it is slightly different, but it's really not like enough where... Well, maybe I don't know. He's a musician. Yeah. Well, he like, criticized the music overall in the movie yeah. that he that he wasn't a fan of it, but that was the biggest critic. So, despite all of that, box office wise, though, film underperformed and actually made even less money than Godzilla nineteen eighty four. And while it wasn't clear wow. what kept the film from succeeding, Toho placed the blame on the unorthodox story, which at the end of the day they just kind of said. I guess, you know, it, the movie just wasn't mainstream enough. So with that in mind, going forward, Toho would take aim to uh, uh, not only take more control of their movie, because remember, this was a very, if right, anything, you com- could say like an auteur-ish yeah. Godzilla film. Complete creative control. Yeah, which the last time we saw an auteur-ish Godzilla movie was Hedora. <laughs> <laughs> which that was also pretty crazy. And which in very similar way, didn't they be like, oh no, we can't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. So we can't do that. So there's a history repeating itself a little bit. Uh, so not only would they want to take more control, but they would also go back and mine some familiar territory. Mm, mm-hmm. What does that mean? Well, I guess you're going to tell me in like five minutes. Uh, so anyway, at the end of the day, Biolani is considered to be um, among the most niche and unique of the Godzilla films with fans and is really the closest thing that you can consider a cult film within the franchise. You know what? That makes a lot of sense. And honestly, yeah. like that's exactly how I would see it, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, just from my perspective, it's like maybe not the all-time best, but I could see it being like a favorite just mm-hmm. from just that kind of cult perspective. So, Nick, uh, that is our first entry into the Versus series proper. Mm-hmm. And uh, are, are you excited to at least, you know, we, we have some interesting stuff here, a little bit I of a rocky start, but are you interested in going forward? There's potential here. There's, Knowing there's, that you have no choice because we do a podcast. We do, yes. <laughs> well, well I, could, Nick, I could just quit. Yeah. I could be like, a hasty series sucks. I'm out of here. <laughs> do, you at least share, do you at least share some excitement for some of this familiar terror? Whoa. Well, first... Who's Harrison Ford in this movie? Yes. Who is Harrison Ford in this movie? I think he is probably one of the presidents of the American conglomerate of... Uh, I would have going to agree. My yeah. other 
my other idea. So yeah, I was gonna. First- but he would be shown like when they go to the office of like the big American company. Mm-hmm. Like you don't see his face, but you can hear him, and he's mm-hmm. like he's like Doctor Claw from uh, Inspector Gadget, where you only see his like hand, and he's got like a cigarette. We need those Godzilla. Cells. Exactly. Like, my that, other idea is that like when when sunglasses guy is watching the Americans. That's who we cut to that watching sunglasses guy. <laughs> like, like I don't know, he's Jack Ryan. Like, it's is in his Jack Ryan era, and yeah. it's just like there's a line in this movie where after he fights the guy, he says, "She's like, oh, you're just like Batman." Yes, which I'm like, but why not? Now that we're talking about, it, why not just say you're just like James Bond? <laughs> well, it was in 1989. Yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. that was a, that was a that was a dubbed line, probably. That's true, but we didn't watch the dub. That, that, no, no, it's no, a direct translation. Like ADR line. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Not dubbed. Um, but anyway, going back to what I was saying. So before, familiar territory. Familiar territory. Are you like? Does that entice you at all? Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. Maybe uh, by familiar territory. How about some familiar monsters? I I could see me being excited. Well, for that. what how what are your feelings of um a certain? We already know Godzilla is the king of the monsters. Well, you know, how about another king, perhaps? One that requires three crowns, Nick. Does, does that entice you at all? King K. Rule. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. not giant alligators. Nick, uh, next time we talk about Godzilla, we will do go in the second entry into the versus era as Godzilla versus King Ghidorah. And mm. I'm very interested to hear what you think about this one because it's a very interesting movie and quite honestly, maybe one of my favorites. All right. Well, yeah. and you know, King Ghidorah is also one of my favorites. Yeah, it's... Ghidorah. I would say, you know, Ghidorah, my three-headed monster, is you know, is my second favorite yeah, so it, far. It, so it, it's a it's a su- it's a movie that I'm always excited to talk about the behind the scenes. But I'm very interested in like it's the fir- it's the one movie out of all these movies I'm very interested in mm-hmm. dissecting, uh, and I can't wait to talk about it. But unfortunately, I gotta wait a while for that because next time we're not talking about a Godzilla movie; we're talking about a Bond movie. We and are talking about James Bond, yeah. 007. Yeah. Where Where are we going next? So, uh, you know, we're just off the success of Goldeneye. You know, the rebirth of the Bond franchise, and we're gonna get to see how Eon responds to the, to that success and how MGM responds to that success. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert: MGM has a plan, and Eon is kind of along for the ride. Uh, It'll be tomorrow never dies. Oh, uh, Nick. This podcast, I enjoy doing it. Such a good time. Always talk about but, these uh, movies with you, my friend. I have friend. a question. Yes. Are we done? I'm done. I'm done. We're done. Okay. It's all good. We're done. So Done. Absolutely over. You know, uh, you can go to our Facebook page. I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Okay. Uh, usually right. I'm starting with like, oh, where are we? You can go to our Facebook page. Buzzilla Pod. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook.com. See what happens when you try to change? No, I'm trying too hard. <laughs> Bonzilla Pod. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Facebook.com slash Bonzilla 007. But then if you want to listen to us, you can go to SoundCloud.com slash Bonzilla 007. You can like and describe iTunes and SoundCloud. Or if you want to go on a little tweet machine, do some tweets. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Tweet, tweet. You can go to Twitter.com slash Bonzilla. This is not going the way you want. <laughs> Bonzilla Pod slash 007. You can, you can do all that and more. No, yeah. not much more, but you can do all that on uh, social media. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a thing that probably shouldn't exist, but it does, so we have them. Yeah. Well, uh, Nick, you know what cheer you up? Maybe some funky beats. <laughs> Let's do it. I'll just edit it in. Yeah. <laughs>